Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 144 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And as everybody knows, 144 is a gross, and the show's been pretty gross so far. Uh, but no one's actually heard that part yet. So anyway, my name is Russ. I'm K5TUX, and I'm the co-host of the show, along with Pete, V2XPL, who is back from the dead. Woohoo! If you're the co-host, does that make me the host? No, that makes you the co-host. <laughs> I am back from the dead indeed Resurrected and raring to go Okay, <clears throat> so our newly oh. found Lazarus is back on the show What, did you have something else to add? No No, okay We also have I Cheryl Anything else for the rest of the show Cheryl, lovely YL <laughs> Who sits across from me and does the podcast with the two of us Hello everyone Yay, we're all here again <laughs> Along yeah. with three dogs Either. that may bark anytime now <laughs> So, I don't, I'm not sure the dog the part is excellent. But, okay. right. Yeah. All right. All right. No singing Kansas. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't Kansas. No, no singing <laughs> Gene Autry yeah. or classic country music or whatever that was. You know, no more of it. And anyway. Wow. <laughs> now I want to know who sings that. Uh, so now you're going to look it up. You can tell us later. But before you do that, since I have had to talk most of the last two episodes because you weren't here, you get to read the first story. It's Gene Autry, and Aerosmith did a remix. Didn't I? Did I not just say Gene Autry? Yes, you did. did. I did. I got it right. Yes, How about I'm that? Confirming that. Yeah, that's actually pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive because <laughs> it's already it was a total guess. <laughs> was it really? <laughs> it was. <laughs> I was sitting here across the table shaking my head. Yes. You know? <laughs> it was right. still a guess on my part, no matter how right it was. All right. Well, it was very right. Okay. I'd like to hear Aerosmith's version though, but anyways, maybe not tonight. <laughs> I'll see if I can find it. I have it. <laughs> Anyhow, that's not going to happen. It's right here on YouTube. All right, uh, first story, segment one, amateur radio. Um, I was actually, well, sorry, sorry to hear that uh, James Pasterfield, an amateur radio newsline, is undergoing a heart bypass. Well, sad to hear because you know, heart bypass isn't something that one aspires to. Um, fortunately, he's still with us, of course, but uh, he posted last night on the uh, Facebook page. For, for those of you who don't know, James Pasterfield is the gentleman who runs the Amateur Radio Newsline Facebook page. Uh, his call sign is uh, KB7TBT. And uh, he posts on the page, uh, and I quote, Sorry to interrupt your browsing for a minute here, but things may get a bit delayed in the group. The reason is that I just set up my laptop on the table over my bed in the AnMed Hospital in Anderson, South Carolina. Apparently, the past few weeks, I was having pains and shortness of breath. Uh, and, of course, blew it off, like most people usually do. But at 2 a.m. Uh, the previous night, he had to call the EMTs, EKG, and the ambulance. And uh, at the hospital, they confirmed that he had a mild heart attack, which is never good. So he's uh, scheduled for open-heart bypass surgery on Tuesday. So he states, uh, uh, I'm not laughing at him, of course, but he says, So if things get a bit delayed, understand that I'm going to be somewhat incapacitated for a bit. So uh, there you go. Fortunately, for the most part, uh, there are many other um, – there are not many issues to deal with in the group. So this is because you are great folks. So uh, you people uh, who are the members of the Facebook Amateur Radio Newsline, you're all very appreciated by James. So uh, our best wishes to James uh, for a speedy recovery. Hope that goes well on Tuesday. Send them your positive thoughts, people. I don't think I'd want to be on the Amateur Radio Newsline staff because uh, Bill, who's the main guy, WA6ITF, uh, had some sort of uh, obscure house mishap in, in uh, last, what was it, November, I think, and he was incapacitated in the hospital for a while. So I hope that uh, Amateur Radio Newsline is not cursed. But I thought that was interesting, and I thought I'd mention it for those of you who uh, follow the uh, great source of Amateur Radio News and a uh, place where we get uh, a lot of our information. Absolutely, and we're sorry to hear that he has to go through that, but it sounds like things are okay. They caught it as necessary, and 
Best wishes from us to you, James, and uh, hopefully everything goes well for you. On another note, the uh, International Amateur Radio Union, the I, the IARU, is uh, putting together in, or have put together an emergency telecommunications guide that's available online uh, through their website. So the uh, IARU, or the International Amateur Radio Union's Administrative Council, has approved the publication called the Emergency Telecommunications Guide. The handbook is developed to provide IARU member societies uh, with materials suitable for training their members to participate in emergency events. However, it's also designed to provide guidance for uh, any individual uh, and amateur radio operators who have uh, little or no experience handling emergency communications and they want to learn about or enhance their ability to uh, participate in such events or just to have you know better understanding of uh, the process. So the publication uh, can also be used in conjunction with other training materials uh, by leaders in the emergency communications community to train radio operators in the basic theory and practice of handling emergency communications traffic. And for those of you who don't know, uh, handling emergency Emergency communications traffic is, is very structured uh, so that it can be very efficient. Uh, and uh, if you've listened to uh, any emergency communications net, uh, what you're listening to most of the time is silence because uh, they only talk uh, when uh, talking needs to be done. So uh, kind of interesting. Uh, I've had a quick look at it. Uh, I kind of read it diagonally. Uh, you can find it on the IARU website at IARU.org. It's called the Emergency Telecommunications Guide, uh, and the link will be in the show notes. And uh, this story came to me from Amateur Radio Newsline. We do talk about amateur radio emergency communications a lot because that's one of the primary functions of the service. This is kind of interesting because a lot of the nets that go on, you know, on your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights or whatever, your local two-meter nets that get together and a bunch of people usually just sit around and rag chew or whatever. But the purpose of those nets is generally for passing traffic and, in a lot of cases, emergency traffic. Some of them are Aries-based, some of them are Skywarn-based, stuff like that. While, generally speaking, not a lot of actual traffic gets passed on those nets, official traffic. It might be good to have this guide or just to read this guide or peruse it, if, if nothing else, so that when you get on your local nets, you have a good idea of how to properly transmit official traffic whenever necessary, not just to get together with a bunch of your pals and sit around and rag you. Yeah, it's um, it's about a hundred pages, and uh, it's got everything from uh, you know basic net operation, uh, emergency communication skills theory. Some of the chapters working with the public, basic net operations, uh, NCS operator practices, uh, net control stations, net managers, uh, handling messages, emergency activations, and even a chapter on the safety and survival. So, uh, yeah, check it out. It's a, it's a neat little publication. I'm going to add it to my repertoire. My repertory. All right. Sounds good. I think one thing that kind of gets lost in the ham radio world these days is proper operating procedure. People just like to memorize the question pools, get their license, get online, and have at it, which was kind of interesting because yesterday I was hearing a rather nasty fight on the air on HF. It was great. It was on 15 meters. One guy was trying to run a net, and another guy was just being a total jerk, swearing up and down, and and they were both going to report each other to the FCC for improper practices and stuff like that. So I'm not sure what the, what's going to come of that, but <laughs> it was interesting listening anyway. They'll report each other to the FTC, and the FCC won't do anything. Yeah, pretty much. Although they're they're a little bit more active, I have to admit, than uh, than than our side of it. But uh, that's okay. We also have uh, on our ham radio docket for the evening some handy resources, both video and audio, for ham radio operators. Some stuff that we may have mentioned before, and some new stuff. Uh, the first one is the Ham College, which is a new show for those uh, new to the hobby and wanting to become amateur radio operators. It was created by George Thomas, Whiskey 5, Juliet Delta X-Ray, and Tom Martin, November 5, Zulu, November Oscar, uh, from Amateur Logic TV, which is another video podcast for Ham Radio, because they couldn't find any video resources for the new ham, which is kind of strange. It seems like that would be something that would be out there, but apparently not. No, there's not a whole lot of video. There's starting to be more video resources, but there's not a ton. There's a lot more audio resources. 
ton of written stuff, but uh, video resources, uh, you know, they're they're kind of few and far between. Uh, aside from people who do stuff on their Facebook page, you know, this is my ham shack, this is my setup, but kind of structured sort of shows um, on on how to or you know um, amateur logic TV was one of not the first, but one of the first to have some success. And uh, so the good folks there uh, decided to try uh, Ham College, with that, which I thought was a great idea. I, I thought this was um, phenomenal. And I'm a longtime fan of Amateur Logic TV. It's one of the first video uh, resources that I discovered. And uh, the hosts are, are quite, you know, somewhat charismatic. Uh, they, they put some humor in the show. Uh, you you kind of get, if you, if you look at the show regularly, you kind of get to like them as, as time goes on, you know. Well, it's definitely something I'm going to check out. First episode of Ham College. Uh, examined several topics, including early radio history, Elmering, building spark gap transmitters, technician exam questions and answers, and a bunch more. Uh, you can view this episode of Ham College on YouTube. All you have to do is go to YouTube and search for Ham College Episode 1, or the link to that will be on the website. And, of course, the link to Amateur Logic TV will also be on the website because you can view the Ham College episode there as well. Pete found this one earlier and posted it for us to relay to you among our other resources that we're going to talk about. And this one came from the Southgate Amateur Radio Club, which is where we get a lot of great news. So if you uh, check out the Southgate ARC, they are a fine resource for ham radio information. Yeah, they are actually. They seem to be quite active. like to go to one of their meetings one day. Yeah, that would be cool. I don't even know where they're out of. Southgate. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's helpful (laughs) because that just uh, tells me nothing. I don't know. I thought it was in your neck, neck of the woods. I don't know if it's in my neck of the woods. It's probably in the States. Let's see. Uh, Southgate is in, it's close to the Ozark National Forest, close to Little Rock. It's in Arkansas. It's in Arkansas? Arca- yeah, Arkansas. <laughs> there you go, Arkansas. All right. So right, right uh, south from Memphis. Oh, they're way down by Memphis. Okay, so yeah, it's not too far away. It's about five hours from here. But uh, so uh, there you, you'll probably be at one of their meetings before I will be. Probably, and <laughs> ne- neither one of us are going to be there real soon. <laughs> not, no, not this week. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so some other uh, video and audio, video and audio resources we have for ham radio operators. One is "Welcome to Amateur Radio" by Essex Ham. Uh, this short video provides an outline for those thinking of getting started in amateur radio and gives some information on what to be, expect on a UK amateur radio foundation training course. So this one is specific to United Kingdom amateur radio operation, and the Essex Ham is, of course, the Essex of the UK. You can find this at www.essexham.co.uk. So if you happen to be one of our British listeners, and I know we have many, or you're just wanting to get into amateur radio as a Brit, uh, you might want to check that out and see what kind of information you can glean as you uh, look for getting your ticket over there uh, in the UK. Or if you're just interested in finding out what it's like to be an amateur radio dude in the UK, of course. The foundation license, um, for those who don't know, is is the basic license, the entry-level license in the UK. Yes, that is correct. And I believe the foundation license is also the entry-level in the colony-type places like New Zealand and Australia. So I believe so. I'd have to look that up, though. But I think you're right. I first learned not that long ago, actually, that the Australian call signs actually have a four-character suffix for the foundation license. So I didn't even think that was a thing. I thought it was all, you know, two by three, one by three, two by two, et cetera, et cetera. But apparently the, the early... That's because you're U.S.-centric. That's right. I'm U.S.-centric. But the <laughs> some places like that actually have two by four calls, uh, where the first letter after the number is an F indicating that it's a foundation license. Foundation license is the entry into amateur radio in, the, in Australia as well. I confirm. Okay, well, go ahead and read the next couple of uh, resources that you found here. A long time ago, I found uh, Randy's page, uh, K7AGE, uh, who's been posting amateur radio-related videos for for quite a few years. I'm not exactly sure how many. I'd have to look that up. But uh, he's literally, literally got hundreds of videos 
um, on all kinds of facets of ham radio. His most popular video series are uh, Getting Started on 2 Meter FM, uh, PSK 31. He's got a whole bunch of stuff. I actually got started on PSK 31 thanks to uh, Randy. Um, and uh, amateur uh, radio satellites, of course. So you can check him out on YouTube. Uh, just go to YouTube and check out K7AGE. And I'm on the page right now. And uh, I want to see if he has anything uh, that he's posted lately. Uh, let's see. What was his latest posts? Uh, a year ago, 11 months ago, seven seven years. He's got some as, as far back as seven years ago. So uh, he's been doing this for uh, quite some time. Uh, another uh, charismatic uh, gentleman. And uh, on the uh, homepage, uh, you'll see uh, his uh, little introductory video uh, where he's uh, speaking to uh, a ute. Operating ham radios. So there you go. Uh, Randy K7AG, uh, a wealth of information for uh, new and not so new hams. Uh, I, I strongly recommend you guys check them out. I'm trying to figure out how I can get the view to see exactly how many videos he has posted. Yeah, he's got a badger. That's the official number. Uh, eight years, and uh, many of them have uh, over uh, 50,000 views. So uh, this uh, one on remote radio control station. Remote radio station control has got 106,000 views. So that one was quite popular, apparently. So yeah, all kinds of stuff. Moon bounce. He talks about moon bounce. Uh, Bluetooth audio radio interfaces. Uh, he's got a little series on his uh, called uh, Ham Radio Shack Chat, where he... Uh, answers people's questions uh, getting on six meters uh operating portable you know pretty much anything you can think of uh, he's got a video on it so if you're wondering how to do something uh, check out randy's page yep and we have a link to his blog actually on the website it's been there for a long time because just following the the things he's into is really interesting and there's a lot of great information over there yeah one of the videos that i saw i can't find it right now but uh, he was operating uh, from his uh, hotel room, operating HF from his hotel room. He'd gone to some, because he travels a lot because of his job. And uh, he went to the UK and he was setting up a little station basically on the patio of, of his hotel room, which was uh, really interesting. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great resource. I highly recommend it. All right, cool. So go ahead and give us the next one. This next one is... Uh, Sort of a little introductory video. I thought it was uh, interesting. It was produced in 2003 by uh, Dave Bell, who uh, many people know, W6AQ. Dave Bell, who's put together a bunch of uh, ham radio resources, uh, manuals, I believe, for people who are studying uh, to become ham radio operators. And Bill Pasternak from Amateur Radio Newsline, who uh, we mentioned before, W6ITF. Uh, with the help of uh, Silent Key, Walter Cronkite, who was a licensed ham, KB2GSD, uh, put together a little video called Amateur Radio Today. And it's a short video. It's, uh, I believe it's only about 10 minutes long. And uh, basically, oh, 6 minutes and 39 seconds, sorry. And uh, basically, uh, Walter Cronkite, who many people know for having done, uh, being, uh, was it ABC or CBS News anchor uh, for many, many years, and, uh, he did a short little uh, introductory on uh, a ham radio and uh, its use today in uh, emergency communications. So uh, just for the um, archival interest, you know, it's not that old. It's 2003. But because it's uh, Walter Cronkite, I just thought it was really, really interesting and everybody should have a look at it. Absolutely. That sounds interesting. It's something I want to check out. And since it's only 10 minutes long, I can uh, squeeze it in between doing other stuff. So great, great stuff there. Six minutes and 39 seconds. <laughs> There watch go. it one and a half times. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Go ahead and give us this uh, next one as well while you're at it. You're on a roll, so hit it. I put together a whole bunch of video resources because we hadn't really talked about video resources in the past. So I thought uh, some people are interested. Um, this one is a weekly video podcast, which I thought was interesting. I came across this one quite by accident. It's called QSO Today. It's a weekly video podcast uh, hosted by Eric Guth. 4Z1UG, and his other call sign, WA6IGR. Uh, he's been a ham radio operator since 1972. WN6VHV was his novice call sign. 
my goodness, this gentleman has a lot of call signs. Uh, so because of his uh, love of the hobby, he decided to uh, start this video podcast, the uh, weekly video podcast, which is quite an endeavor for those of you who don't know. Putting together a weekly audio podcast is something, but a video is a whole other story um, in terms of the amount of work that you have to do to put it together. Uh, but his is basically um, uh, interviews um, – where he uh, interviews people who have been in the hobby for a long time. Uh, so what he wants to do is preserve the stories of the uh, many Elmers of amateur radio. So there are currently 27 episodes. Uh, every episode is an interview with a ham radio Elmer, and the show began in uh, June 2014. So uh, easy to find, com or just Google QSO Today Weekly Video Podcast, and uh, you'll be able to check that out. And there's a lot of uh, interesting names in ham radio. I mean, there's nobody famous like, uh, you know, uh, Lady Gaga or Marconi, but uh, people in ham radio who have done uh, some significant, uh, significant things. So uh, uh, check it out. Yeah, I plan on checking that out. It looks interesting, and I I did check out the page after you posted it in here, and he's uh, got a nice-looking page. And the, the interviews that he's done looks like they're uh, well-produced, uh, even if they're not, like, professionally produced. But it does look like they're going to be a great watch. And he's got quite a wide variety of, of amateur radio operators on there. So it should be very interesting to check out. I've only uh, checked out one episode. I plan on uh, checking out many, many more. Uh, that's cool. So everybody go check it out. So I'm going to add one to the list that you didn't have. And this one is a new project by Tom Medlin. Whiskey 5 Kilo Uniform Bravo, who has for a long time been a broadcaster. He's been webcasting Hamfest for 11 years now. The webcast uh, has viewers in over 150 countries and pulls in an audience of approximately 50,000 during Hamvention because uh, he broadcasts basically the entire Hamvention live on his website. Viewers have the opportunity during that live webcast to meet and chat with other hams from all over the world. And now he's got a project called the Amateur Radio Roundtable, in which he talks with other hams about products, technologies, operating practices, de-expeditions, RV expeditions, and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Every topic is different. He usually has two or three guests on per show, and it's really interesting. Plus, there's a live chat, so you can interact with the other people who are watching the show live, uh, just kind of like you can with our show. He does basically the same thing, although his show is a video podcast so uh, you can actually see the things and they do demonstrations and show builds and uh, you know actual kit projects and stuff like that so it's it's pretty cool whiskey five kilo uniform bravo.com has a facebook group for uh, viewers to follow the webcast and to provide suggestions throughout the year and discuss all aspects of ham radio uh, the group is at www.facebook.com slash groups slash whiskey five kilo uniform bravo and Tom's main website is w5kub.com. Uh, you can also find out more about Tom at tmedlin.com. That's Tango, Mike, Echo, Delta, Lima, India, November.com. Archives of his broadcasts, uh, like the Hamvention one and the Amateur Radio Roundtable, can be found on YouTube. And a link to the YouTube channel where you can get all of that will be in the show notes, of course, because it's one of those long, ridiculous URLs, and I'm not going to read it. But you can also search for Tom Medlin or W5KUB on YouTube, and you'll find it. Yeah, I've heard about this guy. I've actually seen him um, in various other people's uh, websites or videos, and yeah, he's been doing that for a long time. Yeah, he's doing it for a very long time, since before podcasting was cool. Even before there were mentions. Uh, well, no, not that long. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he said he's been a ham radio operator for 50 years, and he's been to, I think, something like 30-plus hamventions, something like wow. that. Wow. So, yeah. Just that is an accomplishment in itself. Yeah, I'd, absolutely. I'd have to go to one. <laughs> well, you got to change that, you know? I know. All right. Well, I'm going to let you, uh, since that's the end of the ham radio topics, I'm going to let you run on into our one big open source topic for tonight. And the best Woo-hoo! thing about this open source topic, it has nothing to do with open source, so try it. <laughs> Well, no, but it's uh, it has nothing to do. But those who uh, who like open source will will be cheering. Most most of you will. Um, this one I actually read a few weeks ago, and and I hadn't put it in the show notes. But uh, Microsoft, who everybody loves to hate, is announcing the end of Internet Explorer. I'll pause so everyone can applaud. 
Yes, Microsoft has made it official. Uh, when Windows 10 arrives, Internet Explorer is officially being retired. Yes, retired. Uh, but, you know, it is overdue. Uh, Internet Explorer has been left behind by pretty much uh, everybody else on the market when it comes to technology. Uh, it doesn't even support extensions anymore, or never has, actually. Uh, Internet Explorer has largely endured thanks to people refusing to upgrade their computers. And I actually still have a very old computer with Internet Explorer on it. Um, the machines we have at work still have Internet Explorer on it for some reason. The machine I'm looking at right now, for some reason, has Explorer on it by default. Uh, but anyways, uh, it's, they claim that it may hold up to uh, 60% of the market share in browsers still, but an enormous chunk of that is thanks to IE8. Uh, really, for many people, the old joke holds true. Uh, it's the browser you use to download the better browser. Uh, in its place, uh, Microsoft is debuting, debuting, is a starting uh, what it's calling Project Spartan, a newly designed web browser that will presumably be more like Chrome and Firefox. I say, why even bother? But that's all right. Spartan has some interesting features like annotating web pages and including excuse me, including Cortana functionality. Uh, but we doubt many grandparents will find it quite the same experience. IE isn't entirely dead, however. Uh, it can be included in some old versions of uh, Windows 10 to ease entreprise, enterprise uh, customers into using a browser that isn't terrible. But IE itself won't come in the box. It's considering its reputation. And the end of it is probably for the best. So uh, this came from uh, Uprox, U-P-R-O-X-X.com, uh, which is a website that looks at uh, uh, technology news and trends. So uh, I thought that was uh, kind of interesting uh, that uh, IE is uh, finally being uh, retired. Long, long overdue indeed. But it's going to be replaced by something bigger, kludgier, and worse. Most likely. <laughs> I, I don't know even why you would bother trying to outdo Chrome and Firefox. But uh, eh, who knows? Well, you you can always you can mind. always make something better. So let's keep an open mind. You just never know. The article does say that it might have some interesting features, like the annotation and such. So, well, you know. yeah. But, and what what is uh, that? Was my question? They speak of annotation, uh, but they also speak uh, of including Cortana functionality, and, and I have no idea what that is. I have no idea what Cortana is as well. It's the first oh, okay. time I've heard of it. So, <laughs> shall we all look up what Cortana is? Let's look it up. Okay. Cortana functionality. Oh, it's Siri from Windows phones. Okay, yay. Yeah, I want that. It's an artificial Not. intelligence bot for Windows phones. So Great. there you go. That's what Cortana is. For, for everyone like us who didn't know, now we know. And we are not enlightened because of our knowledge. We probably won't be enlightened by Cortana either, so it's okay. Probably not. But I've never been enlightened by Siri either. Or by the Android bot, whatever <laughs> it's called. I don't know. The voice of Android. There you go. There one. There is one. You use it when you say "Okay, Google." Remember, or the Google well, bot, does, or whatever it, you call well, it. Okay, right. It does the same thing that Mine Siri does. Mine doesn't talk to. You. Well, I have, I have. Yeah, it can't because it talks to Russ. So you have the Helen have, Keller of it. Your, your I don't phone know. talks to Russ. Aren't you jealous? <laughs> My phone talks. Yeah, it talks to me. Come here, sexy guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Taking yeah. a left turn at Albuquerque again. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, that was the one open source, non-open source topic we had for the evening because I've been frantically trying to dig up stuff for the show tonight, and I actually did find lots of stuff for the show, but nothing I could actually prepare in time to broadcast about, so that'll all be next time. So next time, stay tuned. We'll have a really good show. <laughs> stay tuned for next week's yeah. open source show. But anyway, and I only had one topic tonight for the Linux in the Hamshack segment, and it is based... But it's a good one. It is kind of a good one because it's based on my own personal experience from this past weekend. Um, I was a participant in the CQWPX contest, and I was in the contest for about six hours at the very end from uh, 16, well, let's see, it would have been from, what the hell would it have been, from 1800 UTC to 2359.59 UTC uh, when the contest actually ended on I guess that would have been uh, sun Sunday night into Monday morning. So Wow, very good. Good on you. That's awesome. Now, I wasn't actually planning on participating in this contest, but one of our listeners, John, EI7IG, was participating in an Ireland powerhouse station, Echo India 7 Mike, 
they uh, go into this contest every year and they have a multi-op station and they're major contesters on the station. He was going to participate in that. He wanted to get me into their log. So I said, you know, sure, you know, tell me when you're going to operate and I will be online then and I'll see if I can get contact with your station. So I got there at the time he said he was going to be on, which was 11 a.m. my time on Sunday. And I logged into my computer and I fired up my rig and I got onto IRC and I asked John what frequency they were on. And he said they were on 15 meters currently. They were broadcasting on 21.3395, which is where I went to. And I could hear them, but they were faint. Propagation from Ireland into my station here was apparently pretty bad. So I tried them a few times, and I could not get them at all. I could hear them, but there were lots of, of course, better stations and better propagation out there than from my little barefoot rig here in the in the shack. But the whole time uh, I was listening for them and trying to get in uh, was the first, you know, 45 minutes or so. I had my computer up, and I was using YFK test. Now, this is an application we've talked about before. It's an NCURSES or a terminal-based contest logger uh, written by DJ1YFK. We've talked about this before, and I've kind of given an overview of the program, but I've never actually really used it in a contest. So this time I actually decided to go ahead and use it. So while I was trying to figure out how I was going to get in contact with the Ireland station, I started making other contacts. That actually kind of hooked me into getting more and more contacts. Yeah, it's funny how that works. Yeah, it's funny how that works. (laughs) But it also gave me an opportunity to try out YFK test and use it for real, as opposed to just like, noodling around and putting call signs into it, which was nice because it actually gave me the experience of how to use the contest logger. And it turns out that it is quite good at what it does. The only other time I'd actually used it, I had used it in the context of the only other contest that I had ever participated in, which is the ARRL's field day contest. The ARRL's field day contest has a different exchange than the CQWPX contest. For field day, you have to give your station call sign, and you have to give your station type, which is something like a one delta or one alpha or something like that, uh, which is based on whether you're at home or running emergency power or or whatnot. And then based on the band mode uh, and other multipliers, you get a score. So the way the CQ WPX contest works is it's kind of the same thing, but what you're supposed to give is a signal report which everybody gives as a 5-9, regardless of what the signal report actually is. And it's programmed actually into to YFK test to give 5-9 as a signal report. And then what you're supposed to give is a serial number. And that serial number is basically the number of contacts you've made in the contest. So the very first contact you make, the exchange that you give is 5-9-0-0-1. And then the next one you make is 5-9-0-0-2, so on and so forth. And then there are various multipliers and band stuff like that and multi-op and, you know, stuff like that. And one nice thing about YFK test that I didn't know before that I do know now is that it actually calculates your total for you. It actually has the multipliers and the bonuses and the uh, points for your exchanges built into the script for each contest. So as you're giving exchanges and making contacts, it's actually totaling up your points so you can see, you know, where you're at. Now, for me, I was not getting a whole lot of points. I think I wound up with like 15,000 points by the time I was done. I had 95 total contacts. The fun part of it for me was getting contacts all over the world, basically. I had contacts everywhere. Uh, I worked 10 meters, 15 meters, 20 meters, and 40 meters, all single sideband phone. All you have to do with the YFK test is you start it up, tell it a log file to create, and I created uh, CQWPX was the name of the file that I created. You put in your call sign information, your locator, your grid square, basically. And then it just gives you an interface where you have two fields. One is for the call sign you're receiving, and the other is for the exchange. And the exchange, like I said, for the CQWPX contest is a serial number. So you get the contact, you get the call sign, you get the serial number, you enter those two fields, you hit enter, and it works. There's a screen up above... Uh, and like I said, this is all done in a terminal because it's all NCURSES based. So it's very simple and very easy to use whether you have an X-Windows environment or not. I was using it in an X-Windows environment, but you don't have to have one. 
as you were typing a call sign in, it would show you like a subset of your previous contacts in a window up at the top. So you could tell before you even finished typing the call sign whether you had made this contact before. And if you actually got the entire call sign typed in, it would show you immediately if it was a duplicate or not. And of course, it was smart enough to know that if you had the same contact on a different band, that it was not a dupe and so on and so forth. And of course, it was calculating your multipliers and everything because you get bonuses for contacting the same station across multiple bands and multiple modes and stuff like that. So, and it's doing all that for you in the background. And then you could actually just use the arrow up and down keys to go to a contact, a previous contact in your list and make adjustments as necessary if you got a wrong serial number, or if you type call sign wrong or anything like that. I also had my YFK test hooked into HamLive. So it was actually reading the band and frequency data off of my rig, and it was reading the time data off of an NTP server. So all of the information that I had except for the call sign and the serial number were already entered for me, and I didn't have to do any of that. Worked perfectly, and then at the end of it, all you have to do is type in the call sign QUIT, Q-U-I-T, in the call sign field, and it's done. Super simple, super easy, really fast. The only thing that was slow about it was actually loading in the call sign data once you started up. If you want to actually see the contacts again after you've logged them, uh, so you can go back through your logs and see what kind of you know contacts you made and your, your information, your score and all that stuff. To reload the contact data seemed to take an inordinately long time, and I'm not really sure why. I want to say that when we first talked about YFK test, um, we got a comment about the fact that there was some way to speed that up, but I don't remember what it is. So I'm going to have to go back through my notes and see if I can figure it out. But that was the only problem I had with it. The one other thing you have to do when you're using YFK test is when you first start it up, there is a splash screen that gives you some basic information about the operation of YFK test. You must, must read that information when you start it up, because everything you need to know about how to configure YFK test once it's running is in there. And it's basically a combination of alt keys, like alt H, alt O, stuff like that, alt C. You have to know what those keystrokes are to access any of the functions of YFK test. And if you just skip over that screen without reading it, you'll never know what those things are, because as far as I know, it's not documented anywhere else. So I'm just saying, if you're going to use YFK test for the first time, make sure you read that splash screen. And then you'll know everything you need to know about the program. And other than that, it's really easy. You can actually look at the contest definition files. Again, they're just text-based files. And if there's a contest that's not already set up for YFK tests, you could use one of those as a template to make your own to create the ones that give you uh, proper limits on your exchanges, proper bonus calculations, and score calculators and stuff like that. It's really, really simple, just all text-based. Uh, they tend to use regular expressions, so you want to be up on your regular expressions in order to do it properly, but it's it's really easy to use, and since the whole thing is open source, of course, all of it's right there for you. So that was my experience with YFK test, and I have to say I really liked it. And then I was talking to a gentleman today from Italy. Uh, he's an IZ3 call sign, and I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. I'll bring it up in a future podcast because I'm going to talk about a product that we talked about in the past, and that's a product called Tusnak, uh, T-U-C-N-A-K, which we found out is the Czechoslovakian word for penguin, and that is also a contest logger. Uh, we did, again, some preliminary looking into you know that project and what it can do, and I have just recently looked at it again. Tusnak version 3 has been put out, and it is, I got to say, it's a wild looking application it is this bizarre combination of dos and x windows um, because it is an x application but when you fire it up it's very dos like it has text-based drop down menus just like your old midnight commander and stuff like that but in the midst of all that it also has graphic representations of like your band and mode all of your rig based information the frequency counter your exchange counter for for things that are based on serials, it's all graphically based, but it's all wrapped up in what looks like a DOS window. And it even gives you a signal monitor, a battery monitor, a waterfall display for PSK and CW and stuff like that. And it's all wrapped up in what looks like an NCURSES window. It's really, really weird looking. But it's also got a million more features than uh, YFK test does. So I really want to look at this and perhaps use it in another contest for myself. 
it's much harder to figure out and to get started with, but it also has way more features because while YFK test allows you to read the information off of your rig, as far as, you know, frequency and stuff like that, Tusnok actually allows you to set that information. Plus you can configure Tusnok so that if you're going to be operating only on four bands in a certain mode, within a range of frequencies, you can preset that so that your rig can never be set outside of those parameters while you're contesting. So you know you're always within the confines of the contest or within the confines of your own license restrictions. So you never wander out of band or anything like that. Plus, Tusnok can control the rig in other ways. Uh, You can do it for like sending CW messages, CW responses. It can do the decodes. Uh, like I said, it does the waterfall, so if you're uh, digital mode contesting, it has all of that built in. It's really cool. It's really full-featured, and I really want to do a, a really in-depth review of the project because it seems like it's coming way up from when we reviewed it back in episode 106. Uh, yeah, that's, it sounds like it. Yeah, it's got some, some age on it now. Uh, there's really been a lot of work done on it, so I can't it, wait it was, to... It was impressive back then, and I'm just listening to you and i'm amazed it sounds like this thing is really uh it's really putting a lot of time and effort into into turning this into a, a first class the first rate uh logging system yeah it's just the user interface is a little bizarre but once you kind of get used to it it makes good sense there, there's kind of a colliding of worlds between the x world and the dos world and i don't want to call it dos but you know a terminal-based world uh mm-hmm. that's sort of meshed together in this thing and, and if you haven't seen it before it's really hard to describe but you should check it out because it's it's bizarre but it's bizarre in a good way and it is functional so i, I don't want to say it's a bad thing because it's not it's just unusual i will say well, that. the more functionality something has and the more things it does the more time you need to put into getting to know how to use it anyways because you can't just do everything with the f4 key that just makes sense it's like learning anything once you get used to it it's quite easy yeah absolutely and this does take a little bit of getting used to but it's clear that it will be easy to use once i understand it and it is well documented that's that's one the nice thing about it It is very well documented you know the stuff that i basically couldn't figure out right away by looking at it i just went to the the wiki pages and uh you know within a couple of minutes i i understood what i needed to understand documentation on a project like this is always a very good thing and considering that i think most if not all of the developers of that particular project don't speak english natively the documentation is very good for an english speaker like me so i'm i'm happy about that uh, cool anyway there's uh two contest logger projects yfk test and tushnock uh the latter of which we'll definitely be revisiting here i've been talking with a lot of people lately about contest loggers for linux because it's always been a topic for our show and it's good to see that there are some options coming up and getting more advanced and more full featured as time goes on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So anyway, that is our, you know, first half of the show for tonight. So we're on to the music. And uh, Pete, since you picked the music, I'll let you go ahead and introduce it. I found this on Jamendo while uh, perusing around. It's uh, from a band called Fallen to Flux. Uh, this is new music. Uh, came out uh, January 2015, just a couple of months ago. Uh, the album is called From the Outside, and uh, the tune is called From the Outside Looking In. Four minutes, 17 se- uh, 417. Uh, the band is from the UK, from London specifically. And I thought this was kind of bringing us back to uh, uh, the Lennox and the Hamshack Uh, roots in terms of uh, musical styles kind of struck a chord with me so uh, here you go from the outside looking in by Fallen to Flux
Well, Pete, I have to say that was quite a good selection from you and uh, not one of the kinds you usually pick. I thought you'd like that. (laughs) I did like that, actually, quite a bit. I listened to it before the show, and I was happy to put that in there because it was very good. Uh, Cool. I hope our listeners enjoyed it, too. But uh, like I said, it kind of brought me back to uh, when I first started listening to uh, LHS, Lennox and the Hamshack, uh, way before I uh, had the opportunity to become a co-host. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. And it's new music. Yes, new music. of our friends at Gemendo. And courtesy of our friends at uh, Fallen to Flux, who decided to create that song. There you go. Our good buddies. Our good buddies over at Fallen to Flux, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So anyway, we're going to move on from the music, our excellent selection for tonight. Thanks, Pete. To segment four, which is announcements and feedback. And the first bit of announcement or feedback is an announcement, and that is about the show that we mentioned before, the Amateur Radio Roundtable with Tom Medlin, W5KUB.com. And I mention this because tomorrow night, if you're listening to this show live, I am going to be a guest on the Amateur Radio Roundtable. And I'm going and to how talk did to- you pull that off? Hey, I'm good. <laughs> there you go. Uh, anyway, Tom invited me to be on the show. We can talk about the circumstances of that. If you actually watch the show, probably. Basically, we're going to talk about Linux and the Hamshack, both as a concept and as a show. Uh, he said I'm going to get about 20 minutes on the program. So if you uh, want to check out W5KUB.com, you will see me there. And you'll actually see me there because it's a video podcast. So you will literally see me, which you don't normally do. So it's live. It is live. live. That's right. Wow. It is broadcast live on his website, W5KUB.com. And uh, there is a chat room there. So you can chat with me and Tom and all the other people who are participating in the live broadcast. And then, of course, it will be put up on YouTube so you can check it out afterwards. So all the people who don't know about this you know, by tomorrow night will be able to see it later. So anyway, check it out. And quite apart from the fact that I'm going to be on the show, make sure to check out you know, the Amateur Radio Roundtable because it's a very cool show. We also had a tweet, a mention on Twitter from uh, Donovan Bali, who's a guy who likes to suggest music for our show, and I haven't played any of his suggestions lately, but I'm sure we'll get back to them eventually. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's not giving us any more suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, but anyway, he says, sorry the Dayton Indiegogo was an indie stop-stop. Uh, Brightside, I wasn't going, so now you won't miss me. <laughs> 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 or not. Yeah, that's uh, too bad that didn't work out. Yeah, it is too bad. So, unfortunately, we won't see everybody this year, but maybe next year. We also had a comment on episode number 142 from Wayne, a Kilo 9 Whiskey Kilo Juliet. Uh, and he says, hey, Russ and gang, a bit of a correction on GQRX. I'm running Jesse, which is Debbie and Jesse, by the way, and it most certainly is in the repo, although my deep-seated hatred of Pulse Audio has caused me to build it without Pulse. Uh, but the one in the repo works fine. Good app. Here's another one for you to try. GitHub.com stroke KP read stroke shiny SDR. And we did mention a shiny SDR on a previous episode. So we, we already knew about it. But thank you anyway. Uh, let's you run the dongle in a WebKit browser, Chrome or Safari, either remotely or local. You can even run multiple receivers in the same tab, even different modes at the same time. Well, how about that? Since the SDR is just a receiver, uh, it allows you to access the uh, the chip multiple times per interface, which is great. Uh, the dev is very helpful, uh, that is, the developer of Shiny SDR, and responsive. He also tells us to keep up the good work, which we plan on doing, I believe. We're not going to get badger like all of a sudden. I hope not. I hope not, too. I had to throw badger in there just so we can get a badger. We haven't had a badger in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we also had a comment uh, via Facebook from... Petro, Victor Alpha 2, X-Ray Mike X-Ray, who was in the chat room until very recently. Apparently, it was late for him, and he had to go. And just down the road from me. Ah, very cool. Yeah, what's really bad is Russ had no clue this even existed until I said, hey. Yeah, that's right. I don't don't do Facebook, so I had to be told about this, but now I know. (laughs) Anyway, on Facebook, Petro says, hi, guys, (laughs) paren, obligatory ego stroking. I love the show. I look forward to every show. I love how it's about my two favorite things, Linux and ham radio. No, penguins and meat. Uh, uh, aren't they just one thing? Well, not according to Petro. You could eat penguins. Yeah, I've heard you can. I don't know if they're any good or not. <laughs> if you want to. I guess. Uh, he says, I have Harrison to thank for hearing about LHS. Well, thank you, Harrison, for introducing Petro to LHS. Very cool. Uh, Petro says, I got a question for you all. I want to try using Echolink on my Fedora desktop. While doing a yum search, I found two choices, Echo Linux and Qtel. 
which do you recommend? What about running a node off my Linux box? Drop your knowledge and your pants. No, okay. Uh, so here's my thought on whether to use Echo Linux or Qtel, since no one's going to chuckle at what I just said. I did. I uh, yeah, yeah you were way too late. That was like a second and a half far too late. So. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, the, the difference between Echo Linux and Qtel is huge. Basically, Echo Linux is a library. Uh, it's a text-based uh, CLI interface into Echolink and very, very user-unfriendly. As a matter of fact, the website for Echolinux states that it is very, very user-unfriendly. For the user-friendliness, what I would do is I would install Qtel. It's what I use. It's part of the SVX link package written by SM0SVX, a great Swedish ham uh, who has created the Linux interface to Echolink. And uh, you should definitely use it. I, you know, Anytime I want to use uh, Echolink, I use Qtel. I always build the Qtel and SVX link from source, but if Fedora has it packaged in the repo, by all means, do a yum install Qtel. The only thing that I don't like about Qtel, and this is kind of a weird thing, and maybe it's just because I don't know how to do it, but you can't search for a conference or a link. As far as I know, you have to go through and browse the list to find something, um, which to me is a real pain in the ass. You can search for it outside of it. Like, you can go to echolink.org and search for a link. And then once you know the call sign, you can go to the list and find it. But there is no way that I'm aware of in Qtel to actually put in a search box that you want to look for, you know, V2XPL or whatever, you know, whatever it is you're looking for. Um, like the Android client and the iPhone client and all of the other clients that I've seen, including the Windows version of Echolink, actually provide a way to do searching. Qtel does not. And like I said, this may be a function of the fact that it really doesn't do it, or it's a function of the fact that I don't know how to do it. That's the only problem I have with Qtel. Other than that, it works flawlessly. Configuration is super simple. All you have to do is enter your call sign information and your audio interface information. It does support pulse audio, but you don't have to use that. You can use OSS. You can use ALSA. It works with everything. And it's really easy to get up and running, and I use it anytime I want to use Echolink. Qtel, definitely the way to go. Uh, that's my definitive answer on whether to use Echolinux or Qtel. Anyone else want to weigh in on it? I haven't been running Echolink on any of my Linux machines, and it's on my to-do list. On my very, very long to-do list is uh, to try to set up an, uh, a Linux Echolink box. Well, if you're just using the client side of it and not setting up a, a radio interface, it's really simple understand and I, i'd actually like to set up a node or a, a linking station it's also very simple to do that i've actually had svx link running on a raspberry pi as a host controller uh, i remember that just using qtel you should do that because it really won't take much of your day oh well, i know that's like i said it's a very long to-do list okay we'll put it at the top <laughs> all right <laughs> i'm erasing it and putting it there now all right yeah i don't think you're doing that at all no no, <laughs> no, I know I'm psychic, but but yeah. I'm not taking it off the to do list. It's okay. still on the to do list. You know, because if you actually start using Echolink, we could probably talk to each other. Well, yeah. I use Echolink, just not on Linux. Oh, I have I have a, I have a node v two xpl l for anyone who wants to. Uh, is it on chime all the time? Anytime. Um, the linking station is on all the time. I'm not on all the time, however, because I unfortunately have a job. Well, maybe we need to work more. a schedule. But uh, we could, absolutely. All right. Well, so, we'll, but yeah, we'll my, my link is up uh, 24-7, VE2XBL-L. Uh, if anybody sees my note online, I don't have an L or an R or anything like that, but I am connected to Echolink you know, every once in a while to chat with other folks. Uh, anybody sees me on there, by all means, hit me up. We'll have a QSO on Echolink. We should do another, um, you know, you were doing for a while, uh, we did a couple of uh, Google Meets. Yeah, I would like to do, do that. Again. A Google Meeting that's kind of hooked into Echolink and Skype and do a cross-platform kind of newfangled technology kind of thing. That would be interesting. Yeah, get with me on Echolink. We'll set that up. Yeah, we could do that. All right. That would be cool. Get our listeners to join in and have a party. Sounds like fun. And the last thing I have on the announcements uh, front is uh, a social networking site that I was told about via our Google Plus community. I don't remember who mentioned it because I didn't bother to write it down, but it's something called socialhams.net, and it's at www.socialhams.net, of course. And it's supposed to be a 
ham radio community for social networking. And I really don't know anything about it, but I was told that uh, there are lots of people who are using it. I checked recently, and there's uh, over a 1,000 users on there. A lot of them are in other countries. So if you want to hook up outside of actual ham radio use with other ham radio operators, uh, peer and abroad, socialhams.net might be the place for you. But don't, you know, we're not sanctioning or saying this is a great site or anything like that or that they're not going to steal your personal information or anything. It's just something suggested by another listener. So we're putting it out there. And if you want to check it out, go for it. Socialhams.net. Be warned. <laughs> Be warned. Yeah, that's right. Be warned. <laughs> if this, You know, if this is a scam, then, you know, we didn't tell you about it. Yeah, and he just gave me a weird look about it. <laughs> that's so. because you were giving me a weird look across the table. <laughs> They've just reached a thousand members. Yeah, and the, the text in a lot of the posts over there is not good English, so I'm assuming that they're all, all you know, not native English speakers. So, so. it's, what, a lot like Facebook? Oh. <laughs> well, kind of like that, yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, there's so many social media and groups and things like that nature. I mean, just on Facebook, there's, you know, hundreds of ham radio groups. I'm a member of a few of them, the ones that, you know, speak to me the most. But I mean, there's there's so many. Right. Um, so, you know, they're not just on Facebook. They're uh, in a whole bunch of different places. Yep. That is very true. Yeah, right. On the uh, the featured members on the uh, homepage right now, uh, Bermuda, Malaysia, Netherlands, Germany, uh, United States and Germany. So there you go. Maybe that's why the, uh, in Australia, sorry. Maybe that's why some of the English is, uh, you know, not right. fluent. And that's okay. That is very much okay. Anyway, check that out if you want to find yet another social media network for ham radio operators. Not like there aren't a few already. There you go. No, but it's good to have a, a choice, though, because not every social media appeals to everyone. So, the more there are, well, the more chances that you'll find the one that speaks to you. All right. So we're done with announcements. We're done with feedback. And we're going to move on to the best part of the show, as it always is. And you always look at me stupid like I have no idea what I'm talking about. But this is everyone loves Cheryl's Recipe Corner. I do. I do. And even Mr. Burns does. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, take it away. Okay. Well, this week I decided to uh, share my recipe for the BLT pasta salad. Spring is upon us here in the United States, of course, which means people are going to be barbecuing. Yay! In other parts of the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, yeah, in other parts of the Northern <laughs> Hemisphere. That's very true. So it's just uh, some bacon and some mayonnaise and some tomatoes and some pasta, and that's pretty well it. So mix it all together, and it's very yummy. This actually so. is a very good recipe. Real simple to make. Takes like five minutes to throw everything together and stir it up. Chill it for like an hour just to make yeah, it good. Yeah, a couple hours, yeah. Yep, and good stuff. So there you go. So on to the social media roundup. Ooh. Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw. I got to get my git fiddle, and we're going to have a social media roundup. All right. <laughs> I think I should leave now. <laughs> You're scaring me. <laughs> well, you were the one who told me about the Git Fiddle in the last episode. I had never heard that before. So. The Git Fiddle. Was yeah, that in the last episode? I think it was the last episode, yeah. I don't know if that was in the episode or that was just a discussion we were having. No, it was actually in the episode, I'm pretty sure, because I just finished re- uh, editing it. I see. Anyway, go. This week, donations and subscriptions. We have Petro Katsarkis. That's uh, uh, VA2XMX, who was in the chat room. He's yearly, and he is new. Very and, new. Yep. Very, very new. And that was all thanks to Harrison, right? Yep. yep. All thanks yep. to Harrison. On Facebook, we have Richard Morton and Cam Coble. Google Plus, we have Ferdinand Dimbach, Resistance Hams, John Anderson, and Andrew Pounce. On Twitter, we have W8MRLTADM. Cobble Cam, and obviously they hit us up on Facebook too. Paul OPY1JP. All right, let me correct that one because it's kind of confusing, but I believe it's Paolo Papa Yankee 1 Juliet Papa. Okay. And KD2IDF. And nobody joined our YouTube channel, nobody joined our mailing list, and nobody bought anything. That, that yeah. seems to be an ongoing it, it's thing. It's definitely a trend. Yep. So. All right, well, we're down to the bottom of the show. It's the very dregs of our program. 
which means I'm about to hit the outro music and, and get us on out of here, unless anyone else in the chat room has anything they want to say, or if Pete wants to chime in. Or I've chimed in enough. You've chimed in enough? All right. So we'll just yeah. we'll pause briefly while we look at the chat room and see if anybody else has anything to say, because I know there's a bit of a delay between what I say and what people actually hear. And then when Ted gives us the thumbs up and says, I'm leaving, we'll just sign. <laughs> Richard always used to read the people in the chat room, but I know that a lot of the people who are in the chat room aren't actually here. <laughs> Ted says bye. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do know that in the chat room, we had Scott at 8VSI. He was definitely here. We had Todd. He was definitely here earlier. Uh, Victor Alpha 2, X-Ray Mike X-Ray. He was definitely here. I believe Harrison was definitely here earlier. Victor Echo 2, Hotel Kilo Whiskey. VE3SRE is definitely here. Whiskey Alpha Zero Echo India Romeo is definitely here. That's Ted. And Todd says he's still here. Jay Lindsay often listens to the show, but usually when he's listening to the show, he actually says something. Anyway, that's all the people that I'm aware of in the chat room who are actually listening to the show, and no one's saying that they have anything they want to talk about. So you know what that means. We're out of here. Yeah, it means the show's over. All right, so I'm going to push the button and... uh Start the no. outro music. No, it's over. Yes, that's true. But we'll be back in two weeks. And if you want to see me again, you can see me tomorrow, tomorrow night, night on uh, whiskey5kub.com. Yeah, but the thing is, nobody's going to get this until after you've already been I'm going to post show. it on the website. But see, no uh, one reads the website either. See, no, this is... no, no. It's just Pete and I that don't look at the <laughs> oh, website. <okay. laughs> well, <I'm... laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get out of here. Okay. So I push the button, and that means the music is playing, and that means that we're going to, like, go away for a couple of weeks. But we'll leave you with this. You can become an ambassador to LHS. You can represent us at an upcoming Linux Fest or Ham Fest. We would love you. We would love you if you did that. <laughs> or something like that. Anyway. <laughs> You can also leave us feedback. You can do it by email at info at lhspodcast.info. You can do it by voicemail at 1909LHSshow, which is 1909-547-7469. You can do it by Facebook. You can do it by Google+. You can do it by Twitter. However you do it, we will get your feedback, and we love feedback. So send us some. Our IRC channel is pound sign LHS Podcast over on the Freenode Network. Subscribe to our mailing list to buy some of our merchandise at CafePress.com or PrintFection.com. Both of those are Stroke LHS Podcast. You can also help out the show by going to our website, LHSPodcast.info, and clicking on the Sponsored Ad link on the right-hand column of that page. That doesn't cost you anything except a couple seconds of time, and every little bit gives us some money in our coffers to keep the show going. Uh, you can listen to us live every other Monday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. That's Tuesday mornings, 0200 Zulu time. Our recording schedule, our countdown timer, our links to the podcast, our links to the Etherpad, our links to everything you ever wanted to know about our show is on the website. And that website, again, is lhspodcast.info. So thank you to all of our listeners, those of you who are listening from the past from the present and from the future we appreciate you all this is russ k5tux along with pete v2xpl and my yl cheryl across the desk from me and you have been listening to episode number 144 of linux in the Hamshack. we appreciate each and every one of you and we hope to see you again here in two weeks time catch you later everybody bye bye hello deficient to do this job, but it sure helps.